Oh, hello, dear listener. Yes, it is I, Cockabee Hawkus Porkus. Greetings, dear reader, listener. Cantripper? League of Cockabee Horcus Porcus. This is I, myself, and I wanted to take a quick second out of my busy schedule to let you know we're doing our first ever My Favorite Cantrip livestream event, the Midsummer's Eve Roll It and Play It PvP edition, will be presented in real time on Discord. When, you say? Friday, June 25th starting at 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Where? I literally just said it's on Discord. How? Tickets are available on Eventbrite. The link can also be found on our website at www.myfavoritecantrip.com. But, Cockabee, I hear you saying, Surely I can't afford this incredible experience. Surely it must be worth a hoard of dragon's gold. And I tell you, fear not, Cantripper. You can. Tickets are being offered at... This can't be right. You, Zippy. Is this right? Heavens. Tickets are being offered at no cost. Zip, bip, bang, fizzle, zero... Exactly the likelihood that our friendly PCs will survive the night. However, space is limited to only what you can fit inside one bag of holding, that is, 50 tickets. So if you want to be able to tell your grandchildren, little Jimmy, that you were there when it all began, get your ticket today. Right now. Go, I tell you. Why are you still listening to me? Oh, well, of course. I know why. I'm Cockabee Horcus Porcus. But go. Get your ticket now! My favorite Cantrip's Midsummer's Eve Roll It and Play It PvP edition, Friday, June 25th at 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. We can't wait to see you there. Guaranteed to have less Cockabee Horcus Porcus than this ad. I heard you! This is a weird mimosa. Check failed and you're all alone There's only one action to take Well, maybe two It's a bonus action! When the goblins are all around Your rogue is dead and the cleric is down It's time to bust out and cast My favorite cantrip My favorite cantrip The one that makes you slow down My favorite cantrip Go zip, bip, bang, fizzle, and boom favorite cantrip. Shoot sparks and colored lights. My favorite cantrip. Makes dope sounds in a room. Your sidekick has run far away. Your familiar's been sent back wild to the fae. There's only one course to take. Make colored sparks and a hasty retreat. Toll the bell and run like hell. And pray to all the gods for my favorite 
Lance! Reagan! Hey! Hey, how are you? Great! Where's the other half of your voice? I, I left it somewhere. I was camping all weekend, and <laughs> I think I actually inhaled the bonfire. <laughs> Just the whole Just thing. Just the whole thing. Embers, ashes, Is that smoke. how a genasi is made? It is, yes. Oh, yes. okay. Uh, that's, yeah. that's actually how you mate with a fire elemental. You just uh-huh. swallow it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Swallowing. Swallowing is how you mate. <laughs> I, I've heard that argument. I'm not sure I buy it. <laughs> well, it's how you mate with an elemental made of smoke. <laughs> that's all I know. So how long before you... What, bud? Can't you see it's growing out of the side of my neck? <laughs> It's like gills, only not. I call it Pastulio. <laughs> no. No, I don't. <laughs> I call it Smokio. Smokio. <laughs> the important question, though, is... Yeah. What do you think of my dope new hat? That is a schmancy fancy new hat. It's got some hay on it, it so slaps. you know it's good. It slaps. I'm not sure I'm convinced that's it a slaps, thing. It slaps, Reagan. You say that's what all the kids are saying. Hey, you know, I mean, that's what, that's what me and my friends are saying. You are super <laughs> hip. Can, can't you tell from my throaty voice? <laughs> so hip. So Oh my gosh. Hip. Happy Memorial Day to you. And to you, although... Thanks very much. When this come out... In about seven days. So I think it's still okay to say Happy Memorial Day. Well, apparently I couldn't say Happy Memorial Day. I tried, and nothing. You said Happy Memorial Day. Thank you for joining us, dear listener. It's been a great edition of my favorite cantrip today. What are we going to do today, Lance? Well, we're here on our podcast, My Favorite Cantrip. No, no, that part I've got. And by the way, thank you, dear readers, for joining us on this your holiday. Whenever day that happens. Whenever day your holiday is. You know what? It's a floating holiday. Look. Because it's summer. Look, I'm Destiny Manifest. She's the goddess divine. We say, take a holiday. We think you should. We think you should. Right now. Right now. Don't even tell your boss. Just go. Drop it. Yep. Watch out for they who loom. Yep. And. What is the sound of of a shuttle going back and forth? Yeah, we, we don't know. We got to look up what loom sounds are. But uh, anyway, dear listener, thanks dear for reader. joining us on the podcast today. Yeah, we're going to talk about stuff, aren't we, Reagan? We are. Today What's is, on the agenda today? Today's a talking head. Ah. Talking oh, head. Ah. Oh, ah. Uh, yeah, we are going to do what I'm thinking of as the PC did you hear the rumble? Of, did you hear the rumble of hog thunder outside? Dear, dear listener, we live in Hog Thunder Town. We do live in Hog Thunder At least on Sundays Thunder and holidays. Town. So if you hear the the rumble of... Literally 800 Harley Davidson going I was going to say the, uh, the, uh, the, the rumble Davidson's. of mighty steel steeds oh, as oh, they thunder uh-huh. down the road. But That's not what you call them off the air. No, it's not. <laughs> The good news is that Lance does not at this time have any frozen bottles of ice to throw it's out the true. window. It's true. I cannot chuck them at them no. today. It's still in the works. <laughs> no bottle chucking. Once I master ice storm or freezing spray, <laughs> then uh, I can do that. Right now, I can only cast it as a ritual. That's right. And that's sad. we don't want to sit here and watch well, that for 10 t- minutes. By the time my 10 minutes are, are, are done and the spell's been cast, they're long gone. They're long gone. They're halfway to the next county. And then it's just someone's really old Cadillac without a catalytic converter. Or or, or a roof, since it's a 
convertible. And there's just, like, sleet. A convertible Cadillac, Cadillac with no catalytic converter. Convertible Cadillac anti-catalytic converter. Ooh. Yes. Well, how about yes. that? It is a converter. Lance. Hey, Reagan. You know what we're here to do today. I do. We're going to do. this, right? Talking heads. <laughs> just whatever just we want to talk about. We're just going to talk about whatever we hear outside. You know, I think we should deep dive <laughs> into what you're about to say. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking of this as our PC Roundup. Yeehaw! Well, welcome to Homebrew Country. <laughs> Dear listener, we are here today. We got PC Roundup on Homebrew Country. PC, tell me the name <laughs> of your new record. <laughs> well, my new record is called um, I Drive Up and Down on a Lawnmower. And why don't you sing a little bit of my favorite track, off that record, uh, our good friend PC, and that track would be "I Got Snow in My Convertible Cadillac Anti-Catalytic <laughs> Converter." Can you sing us just the chorus of that? Well, I got snow. Oh, yeah. oh I got snow. Oh, yeah, yeah. It makes me feel low. Oh, so when low. I got snow. That's it. I'm crying in my gargle blaster over here. <laughs> well, that's been another episode of. PC, say goodbye to the nice folks. Goodbye, nice folks. Hey. Hey. <laughs> and we're back. And we're back. Thank you for that commercial break there, <laughs> dear listener. Yeah, let's um, uh, let's do a PC roundup today. Let's do it. Yeah. We can we talk now... a little bit about the worlds also? We can, and I wish we would. And I will tell you something. I am so excited. So when Lance and I initially started this, each one of us opted to do three PCs right. to start with. We knew that we were going to start the whole anthology of our duet play podcast, because that's what we are, folks. An a, anthology. An anthology. With uh, three PCs each, which means mm -hmm. uh, six worlds and six storylines yep. that we're starting with. And we have now done one of each. That's right. And it seemed like a good time to just kind of touch base yeah. and say, where have we started? Where are we going? What's happening? Who are you? Who are these What people? is this place? Where am I? What? 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 So where are we going to start? We're going to start with Uskar. Oh, I love Uskar. I also I love, love Uskar. I love Uskar. I, I can't wait. He's level two now. Yep. After our last adventure where he almost got killed by whatever... <laughs> Sandy Sandy Pants was uh, in... Uh, an Anubian. Oh, an Anubian, yes. yes. And frank, frankly, Hedgy Hedgehog was of more use <laughs> than that damn shopkeeper. Gregor did what he could do. He was helpful. Gregor. Gregor. <laughs> Gregor. I'm hurt very badly, Gregor. Gregor, you, you give me guff. No more guff, Gregor. I do hope that the guff returns. Well... I'm so excited because at level two, yes. Uskar is an artificer, mm. and that means he can create the homunculus servant. Why? Can you guess who his homunculus servant is going to be? Is it going to be Sammy Samovar? It's going to be Sammy Samovar. Oh my God. Hi, my name is Sammy the Samovar. I make <laughs> Uskar's tea. Hi, my name is Sammy Samovar. No, I we make are done Uskar's with that. Uskar's tea. Hi. Now he'll be able to have his own or she, they. It. She, they, he, they. Um, I don't think Samovars have gender. I, I think not, so they. It. 
not it. It's an it. Once sentient, it's a samovar. So look, my character. It gets my preferred personal pronouns. Thank you. <laughs> not yours. You Don't are... you gender my samovar. Thank you very much. Oh, oh and throwing things. I don't yes. care if you are the goddess divine. I'm destiny manifest. 100%. 100%. You just, <laughs> you just keep me up to date on your pro personal pronoun. Back up there, PC roundup. <laughs> so Uzgar is yeah. going to make a homunculus. He is. Out of Servant. Sam Sammy Samovar. Sammy Samovar. That's right. So we set this world up to be kind of a... Adventurer of the Week, right? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about, uh, because, dear listener, if you've listened to uh, the Uskar episode, then you know <laughs> And I recommend you do. I recommend you do, too. You may discover that Uskar is very unsure where he is and where he's going. <laughs> or what he's doing there. Or what he's doing. Is he supposed to take an apartment? Why? Is he moving on? Why is he at the docks talking to a whole family <laughs> of tieflings with crazy hair? Who knows? Look, Charlie... And Jolene and um... Jolene. Jolene. <laughs> Jolene. Jolene. Where can I find apartments? Can you tell me a little bit about the world that Uskar inhabits? I can tell you a little bit, yes. So I did a thing where I thought it would be really fun to let Uskar determine whether Uskar wanted to stay in Kashhafen or move on down the road. And instead, Uskar became confused <laughs> I got confused why the session had not yet ended and all we were doing was hanging out on the docks talking about apartments <laughs> Look, sometimes life be like that that's true oh my god that is so true so we're going for verisimilitude then with Uskar is what you're telling me <laughs> yeah we're going hyper realistic isn't with Uskar. that at the end of the day when you fight an Anubian isn't that what happens to you at the end of the day you're just left talking to some random dock worker about where to get a good apartment exactly with Ex your new samovar in your backpack that's right right that's right right all you need is a samovar in your backpack at a good apartment well you need the tea also mm. well you did pick some up from Jolene I did so tell me a little bit about the world that, that Uskar is right. in. So Kashhafen has some secrets. Now that's the name of the town, right? Correct. Okay. So Uskar, is Uskar going to be in this town next episode? Next episode, yes. Okay. After that, hmm, yeah. maybe, maybe not. Sure. But yes, right at this moment, we're going to hang out in Kashhafen for a little while, uh, or Tea Haven. And um, I wanted to start you somewhere that had the potential to have a lot of places to go. Dear listener, that's Tea Haven as in T-E-A, not T-E-E. It is not literally covered with t-shirts. Or, or, or gnomes. It, it, is, it is not Gatlinburg, Tennessee. No, it's not. <laughs> Though, um, and now we're straying into a different episode. Good Lord, there are a lot of airbrushed shirts on the tiefling dock workers. Shocking. That's what they universally wear. Yes. Is, uh, with the little fringe, yeah. with the little um, plastic uh, beads on them. So they're crop yeah. tops. Then. Well, what else would a, a dock worker I wear? I don't know, but now Charlie, the multicolored tiefling, is definitely wearing an airbrushed crop top. Absolutely. As they go about their work. Uh-huh. Yes. yes. Nailed it. That's everything you need to know about <laughs> crop everything you need to know. Oh, my God. Next. There's tea and tieflings in crop tops. That's right. Everywhere. That's right. It's possible that... It sounds a little bit like San Francisco. You know? Or Bangkok. Or anywhere with a dock. Mm -hmm. Marrakesh. Possibly. 
Kashathen. I like it. So yeah, I think that the goal is for Uskar to make some connections and and see what comes next. He will certainly have opportunities to leave Kashhafen at some point, but right now he's just kind of getting his feet under him and uh, getting a feel for for where he is and what comes next. Well, that's true because you did just leave the lizard folk. Yes, uh, indeed. Well, Uskar is just uh, Uskar didn't leave the lizard folk. The lizard folk were destroyed. Well, when you put it that way, me saying he left them becomes a, a much darker statement, doesn't it? Well, that's true. He, he <laughs> did indeed leave their dismembered corpses in the swamp oh, where he found them. Uh, it would have been odd if he had not left the I'm dead not lizard folk at dismembered corpses. and brought them with him. That would have made Uskar very different. Yes, he left the lizard folk. Indeed. After a respectful amount of grieving In, time indeed. and a burial. After a mourning period and a significant burial that he performed by himself. Lance. Yes. Do, what do they call it when you uh, leave your corpses out to be picked by scavengers? Sun burial? They call it gross. Sky burial. They call it Sky gross. burial. They call it disgusting. Do lizard it. folk do sky burial? The question is not, do lizard folk do sky burial? The question is, did Uskar do a sky burial? Yeah. Did he? No. Oh. No. Did, did he burn them in a pyre? He buried them. He buried them. In a cairn of fallen logs and trees and leaves mm. to become one with the swamp again. And he marked that particular area of wetland to make sure that he doesn't drink the water out of that if he mm. goes back. Savvy. Uh, and also, um, after all, that is how the lizard folk keep contact with their ancestors who are buried in each particular area of the wetland swamps, and they keep track of that by the inscribed log standing beams mm -hmm. that have been put in each mm -hmm. one. They, As they travel on their annual hunter-gatherer rounds, they do the circuit of the ancestors. Oh. And Uskar has given his, not even really tribe, group. Um, he's connected them to the afterlife in their preferred way. That seems right, yeah. So kind of a goopy kissed, a goopy, earthy, damp kiss. I feel like you're trying to make a joke, and I feel like Uskar would not be appreciative <laughs> of that. It is a very solemn rite, mm. and he had to spend exactly two lunar months in mourning up to the neck in mud and water before he can move on. Wow. The wrinkles are still coming out of his toes. No doubt, no doubt. So yes, that's that's the death ritual of, of Uskar's <laughs> lizard folk friends. We want a we want a serious place there. Well, you know, it's pretty serious when when your chosen tribe family is all brutally uh, wiped brutally out. Wiped yeah. out. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So yes, now he's now he's traveling, looking for the next, looking for the next thing, very quietly, keeping keeping his own counsel. Yeah. Which, you know, taking a little time to regroup, figure out what your next step is. Kajhafen seems like as good a place as any. Absolutely. Uh, there's a road. There's several roads, in fact. There's, there's a road, you say. <laughs> well, that's fascinating. There are several roads. There's a dock. There's boats coming and going every well, day. Mainly it's a port town. Yeah. And what a great place to, to start again, to again find those, those roads. Absolutely. 
Ah, many roads of Uskar. Indeed. What's next, Lance? I think uh, let's talk a little bit about Quarry and Meliamne. Oh, yeah. 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 Quarry and... Yeah. 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 You know, just hang out with my fish. <laughs> I think it's funny that... I do the Quarian voice because I'm Quarian, right. and you can't stop yourself. Everybody knows that voice from doing. Everyone Quarian. knows that person. Just, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Wearing the puka shell cool. necklace, you know. Uh, <laughs> They're sustainably harvested. Tell me about your fish. Oh, I can't wait! I can't wait! I is can't it a level wait. two thing or a level three thing? Um, at level three, Quarian is going to, and uh, Quarian is a ranger, and. Right, I'd forgotten yes. that. Yeah. And he's a swarm keeper. He's a sea elf, right? Yes. Is that out of Tasha's? That is out of Tasha's. Right. And I was so excited when I saw it, I didn't want to do it with bugs, although right. I did consider crustaceans briefly. Oh, my God. <laughs> would you have done um, crayfish, lobsters, crabs? I mean, I think it would have had to be rock lobsters, <laughs> but I didn't go that route. I wanted to do Thank God. fish. Because we would have had to do the song every freaking every time. Every time. Yeah, and that would have gotten old. But I'm kind of picturing his fish as these, he has already mentioned that they are aesthetic as <laughs> as well as intelligent and so i'm picturing these kind of flowy tailed like kind of beta looking okay. but sea fish colors because oh, okay. see i was picturing like african cichlids or garamis or something like that no they they may have the instincts of those types of fish but they have like flowy pretty wow yeah that sounds great and i am so excited about like when they do things around him as the swarm right. that there will be this there will be a beauty to right. it that hopefully will help him look we have similar backstories get over the horrible horrible <laughs> massacre and eradication of the entire village of the place where his people came now, from. Now, Quarian is still in the midst of that particular Just adventure right in the middle he almost got eaten by crabs he met he a did. guy in a boat. He did. And now he's off to, to see if he can follow the tracks he Dear found. listener, that, that episode, that session in which we played, uh, was about three hours long. Because <laughs> we were so into it. Yeah, and we it were was having a, a really great good time. session. But there were two combats involved, a whole bunch of interactions. So we, we went ahead and made the decision to split that in half. So the next Quarian episode that you hear will be the continuation of the story of him trying to find out what happened, what to, happened his to his lost people. people. And he's made a friend. The hardest thing I will say is that I want to talk about things that haven't happened yet right. for our listeners, right. and I, that would be uncool. So right. I'm not going to do that. I am intrigued to see where he ends up next and whether this little friend of his sticks around. What do you think of the whole situation of finding the brooch of your supposed best friend? Uh, dark. Yeah. It's dark. <laughs> Indicates an evil, possibly mentally ill uh, DM. Well, they who loom suggested it to me. It's uh, it's heavy. It's yeah. it's heavy to have your entire village wiped out and then find a brooch, not from just anyone, but from your best friend. You gave it to them. I know. Yeah. It, it can't be a good sign. Steaks, Quarian. Steaks. And we ain't talking on the grill. Uh, we did eat a heck of a lot of crab. <laughs> Big. If crab. only you had an alchemy jug. <laughs> no one loves me. <laughs> so we know a little bit about the backstory of Quarian, mm. and we now know that Quarian is a is a ranger, and he's got this friend. 
what intrigued you with when I said, hey, let's make one of these worlds for one of your characters a, a, a water. I almost said water world. And it conjured <laughs> no. up visions from Kevin Costner. I didn't mean that I wanted at all. to go the opposite direction right. of Kevin Costner. Just no thank you. No. A watery world. <laughs> what kind of spurred your thinking to come up with this character? Can I tell you something funny, Lance? Please do. You didn't say let's make one of these a watery world. I made a sea elf and you were like, ooh, watery world. I feel like that's six and one half dozen the other chicken and egg, <laughs> really. But And maybe it's both. Because I do remember, a dear listener, one of my uh, long-running table campaigns, we started off doing the, the book that came out a couple of years ago, Ghosts of Saltmarsh. Mm. I have a, a big love of maritime and nautical things, and I, I've always wanted to, to set some things purely in kind of a maritime. And maybe that was. You said, yeah. hey, I've got a sea elf. And I, you're right. Yep. There we go. And I immediately saw the possibilities of being able to create a, a world in which the character could be underwater as well as on the surface of the water. And I will tell you, because part of what Lance didn't just say is that he has attempted Saltmarsh several times and never managed to get a party as far as he wanted them to go. I have done watery characters in those games that have never gotten to the places where I wanted them to go. A character that I adore I've never been able to play fully anywhere which is a major disappointment to me so in part I think Quarian came from knowing Uh, that if it was just you and me that we could do some stuff with a watery character but I didn't want to use the other character right and I didn't want to do it in salt marsh so why Quarian why why this particular build this particular personality why why that character because I looked at Swarm Keeper and I was like, I'm really drawn to that and I, I want to do a Swarm Keeper. So I think one of my characters is going to be a ranger. Never played a ranger before. This is totally new for me. But I didn't like the land options. And I started thinking, well, why does it have to be land? And then I realized if I do a water creature, Lance is going to do nautical stuff. And that's going to be a, a fun win-win for everybody. Fascinating. So that was kind of where I came from on that. So why a sea elf? Because he can breathe underwater? Well, there are other things that can breathe underwater. There's tritons. There's, um... Yeah. <laughs> Dear listener, <laughs> I wish you could have seen the goddess divine's face right then and there. <laughs> when I said the word triton. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, not my no, bag. No. Not my bag. A sea elf is actually something that is interesting to me. And again, something I've never done before. Right. And, you know, elf variants work really well as rangers. They're kind of I like... I love elves the, anyway. I know. They have so many cool things they about do. them. And I just was like, I think this character needs to be several things that I've never done before that fit into kind of the stuff I want to do. So, I mean, really, it's... That's not terribly interesting, but it is completely true. Well, that makes sense. I, and I think you get to a point that, that certainly you and you and I both do when we make a character is we, we kind of think about what kind of person we want it to be first. Yeah. And then we'll tag in what, what race and class and all that is going to make that person come alive. It felt like the litheness of an elf and that sort of thing made more sense to me than than trying to go for something that was maybe more of a sea warrior or um you know even a a fully 
like a Janasi would be fully of the water, right. where a sea elf is in the water and is a creature of the water, but isn't water themselves in right. in that way. Yeah. I had a picture of kind of what this person looked like yeah. before I had a name Which or even issue had decided. Of, of Teen Beat did you did you pull him from? <laughs> He's not a Teen Beat no, guy. No. no. No, he's a little too old for Team Beat. Oh, I see. Yeah. I see. Okay. Given that's the case, what did you think when I kind of sprung on you as you're traveling around? Here's this island area that your people <laughs> like to live on, and here's this watery, that whole yeah. kind of idea of liminal spaces. That's right. You know how much we love them. I love them. But that idea that, that the range of his people is not just the seabed, but this whole kind of... Reagan loves that. Yeah. And I'm... Aquarians used to it, but it was funny in gameplay because I didn't have a, a solid feel for what the world looked like yet and found myself surprised several times when I was either on land or in water when I thought it was the opposite <laughs> because you say like estuary and right, I'm like, right. oh, that means that I'm, and that was really funny. Right. So the whole trying to figure out, am I wet? Am I dry? What's happening? Right. Was kind of uh, fascinating. Well, for me, as, a, as the world builder uh, here, I love the idea that I get to play with, as you say, an estuary is a, is a whole biome in and of itself that exists underwater, above the water, in the dirt, in the air, and I love that I get to play with all of that. You don't get much more liminal than an estuary because even it's freshwater, saltwater, really. it's, right, yeah, right. it's, it's got everything. Yeah, yeah, depending on the tide. Well, I can't wait for you to explore uh, what's coming <laughs> next. I also have uh, some things coming up for Aquarian yeah. that I hope you will enjoy. we got to get him through this first adventure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait. So the next adventure is Hatterai and Borak. Oh, yay! Can I tell you, of all six of the characters that we've played, it seems like Hatterai and Borak may be the number one crowd pleaser at the moment. We have had more comments about Hatterai and Borak than about any of the other characters we've played yet. Well, I'll tell you, it seems to me that certainly for you and I as well, our favorites, I think, more engaged by our jungle <laughs> adventures, yeah. right? Because you have one as well that we'll get to here uh, yeah. shortly. But um, What's more fun than a jungle? I don't know. I mean, I thought, <laughs> you know, all these things were fun, right? Turns out you and I both really like jungles. Yeah. Yeah. There's just so many options in I a jungle. I love Hatterai. Yeah. I love Hatterai. And I, I love Borg. was taken incredibly by surprise yeah. on a few things that are Hatterai's apparently core personality apparently. traits. <laughs> I had... That frankly, I thought were just quirks and appear to be core personality <laughs> traits as well. I mean, right out of the starting gate, as soon as Conqueree showed up... Oh my God, that bird. Jeez. <laughs> Just burn it down. Just burn it all down. <laughs> Someday we're just going to have to burn this all down. Yes, I'd write. <laughs> that. That right there. Yep. Well, my favorite <laughs> thing and my least expected thing. <laughs> One-two punch. Well, the funny thing is, Reagan and I have been duet playing together since we started playing 5th edition D&D mm -hmm. because we discovered that there just wasn't enough ways for us to get all the D&D that we wanted Unless we unless we explored that together. And we discovered the Unearthed Arcana sidekick rules, <laughs> which are now 
made canon. Yeah. Now and just rules. And they're in yeah. Tasha's, right. They're, they're a little different in, yeah. in UA. And we discovered that. <laughs> and I don't know how many times I have looked over at Reagan when I am right in the middle <laughs> of playing out an interaction between my PC and the sidekick. And she's looking at her watch. <laughs> She's yawning. She's on her phone. Because I can just go all night long by and myself. Conversely, I really you like can, to pleasure really... myself, Reagan, like that. <laughs> you just, you, there is nothing you like to do more than pleasure yourself and, for hours. And pleasure myself for hours between my character and my sidekick. Right. <laughs> I will tell you that, as well you know, I have frequently tried to play a sidekick yeah, and have struggle. discovered that it does not work for it me does not at work all. For you. So um, you much prefer to have a sidekick or or DMPC. Yeah, yeah, that's my preference. Run by the DM. But the the beauty of that is that when we're in a campaign where you're playing your own sidekick, I can do that. Where I'm right. like, all right, let me just unspool Lance. There he goes. I can run to the bathroom. Br brb, and I know you'll be okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> can I share with the dear listeners? kind of what happened after that episode. Yes. I was like, what the what? You were like, what do you mean, what the what? <laughs> so <laughs> I wrote out this backstory for Hatterai. You know, the, 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 the standard traditional player character sheet, right? That's in the back of, of the player's handbook and all that. And the second page has all this stuff for personality and backstory. Right? So I write out this whole backstory and it's like... And Hatterai has spent all his life keeping civilization a hundred miles or more away. You did not put mileage, to be fair. I said days. <laughs> okay. All right. Which, again, you can look in the player's handbook and see, well, 24 <laughs> miles is a day. And the first thing that Reagan did, literally the first thing, is put a stranger in my ziggurat. So I'm like... Who the hell are you? What are you doing here? <laughs> I come here all the time. No, you don't. I'm sorry. And so, so you know, I loved it because as we yes-anded all of this, it's where I think some of the best moments came along. But it was like, what the hell? It's completely not what, what we agreed to. But it was, still, it was still great. And it's made so much great content because now... Now there's this ally who's not this ally, and Hatterai's a rogue. Right. So um, with this feature, I forget I forget what his background is, but his background has a feature that says you've got a criminal contact. Right. Well, this is his criminal contact. Yep. You 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 played that perfectly, but she's as evil as they come. I, I want to know what you were thinking on that. <laughs> what were you thinking there? <laughs> what were you thinking? What were you thinking? Here's the funny thing: is that I really, genuinely, I do read the backstory and all the stuff uh -huh, on the character. Uh huh. Sure. Sure. <laughs> I do. <laughs> but what happened is that I hadn't read your character sheet for a while, and so I was like, "Well, they're far away." Dear listener. <laughs> When, when you're the dungeon master, as part of your pre-session yeah, yeah, planning, make sure you read all the character sheets again. Well, I put the adventure together based on something I'd been right. thinking about when right. I had read the character sheet. And I realized that I had painted myself into a corner, mm. if you will, because 
because I put a timetable on the first adventure. Right. So if you couldn't get to Penny, oh, they would have gotten yes. to I see. And so I, and then I, I just had to was, burn down the other place right then and there. Right, right that saying? minute. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just I was like, well, okay, I've painted myself in a corner, and I I like this adventure that I put together, and it sets up other things. I would like to do it. So then I thought, well, Penny and Squeak's children fly. So they just... <laughs> just in my head, they are these misshapen, monstrous aberrations of something that walks and something that flies. They, and their feathers are like... They look like cherubs. They look They're like, beautiful little little flying people. They, they look like weird ass little bumblebees <laughs> with with faces that someone shoved a few feathers into in my head. Well, I think that you've just described how Hatterai sees them. <laughs> For sure. For Let sure. us not forget They do not have the grace and beauty of his people. <laughs> Let us not forget that Boric has a crush on Kiki, who is the teenage daughter. You just totally made that weird. Uh, you are Boric you said totally it. Ma- I'm going to have to go back and listen to that episode to see if that's canon. Boric said it. I'm going to have to go back. I wrote it down. I'm going to have to listen to that. <laughs> Look. Look. Boric is an ape. Yeah, and he's a teenager. He is, because he only lives to be thirty. <laughs> He's having a midlife crisis right now. <laughs> right at this that's, moment. That's why he's going for this younger woman oh, over there. Oh, my God. Good Lord. That can fly. So. <laughs> yes? I'm going to ask you about the world. Where, where did you draw inspiration for this? Yeah. Well, lots of places. One of them was that you specifically used the term ziggurat. Mm, which I did. is not the term that I would have pulled for a jungle dwelling, but it's completely appropriate. And I got really excited about the ziggurat. So then I started thinking... I mean, that's thinking, what's down in the Yucatan Peninsula. Right. Ziggurat. And so I started kind of pulling on those things, but I started thinking about like South American, right. explore, the era of exploration. Sure. Yeah, and yeah. like riverways and the rainfall and, you know, people that don't really belong there. Are we talking like Indiana there. Jones era of exploration? Or are we talking about like... Cortez the Killer explorer. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, enough. a little bit of both. All right. But like what Penny Penny is a halfling. What the hell is she doing there? Well, it's the age of exploration. Sure. There's people invading that don't belong there right. that are setting up in places that make no sense. So Penny's that, exploiting the natural resources and the indigenous people. She is, but also Penny is uh, is the phrase like going native or something like that? Like, it's a horrible oh, phrase. So. <laughs> yeah. But that's what I'm picturing is that her so people she's, feel so like she's, she's, and they would be insulting and racist about it, but she's making so she's a nice life. So she's like that guy from Heart of Darkness who's gone native. <laughs> right. Uh, what? Uh, horror. Horror. Uh, God, what was his name? And it, uh, the, the movie. Um, Apocalypse Now? Apocalypse Now, which is a movie remake. Yeah. Right. Anyway, Penny's doing really well for herself, right. but she ain't from there. You right. know, like she came in and that she is exploitive. In also some ways. reminds me of Sacagawea's husband. Mm. Sacagawea, who was the guide for Lewis and Clark on the Lewis and Clark expedition, right. who was married to a French trader. That's exactly what he did. Right. Is he went out into the quote wilderness and uh, married into a tribe as a way of getting them to trust him 
so that he could bring his goods in and sell them to them and, and which be there. strikes me as in keeping completely it's horribly Penny. imperialistic yeah yeah and i i think that that's like her thing i think the imperialist is penny not her people i gotta burn it down i just <laughs> i've gotta burn it down so tell me a little bit about hatterai <laughs> so <laughs> what i love so far about all the characters that we've talked about today is that they have all grown beyond what we envision them to be immediately yeah, just the, into out something of the organic. Gate. Into something organically, their character. I had envisioned this whole kind of like Hatterai and his people as this as being this kind of ancient, decadent, magisterial, you know, kind of race of people. And no, <laughs> they're just idiots. They are just <laughs> fucking idiots trying to do their best in the jungle and. So Hatterai is the only member of his family who's not flat out neutral evil, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Dad, which I cannot wait to oh, exploit so as your fun. DM. It's going to be yeah. so fun. Dad is the last emperor, right? But he's emperor over like four people. Yeah, there's nobody left. There's nobody there. His sister is this crazed, mad, you know, magic person or whatever she is, and Hatterai is just taking it upon himself. To keep them completely in the dark about the true state of things. Yep. And he is supposedly, single-handedly, he and Boric kept civilization hundreds of miles away. <laughs> nope. There's a damn talking bird flying in the window. Uh, but that's kind of what I what I pictured. My So there's several things that, that led to Hatterai. Cobalt Press, who I love a lot, mm. uh, has a book called Tome of Beasts. Right. And I think it's in the Tome of Beasts. Uh, there's a, a species called the Nikosi. Hmm. They're, mo- they're in there as a monster. But they're they're like these uh, black-furred cat people, like some sort of, you know, Mayan, dis- you know, kind of mythological, like the great cat god or whatever. They're people. Love the idea. Love the whole idea. And I thought about trying to find a way to see if you and I would homebrew hmm. that to be a, a player race. And I thought, you know, uh, some sort of elf would, would, would work instead. I had, I initially had a, a picture that uh, Hatterai was going to be female hmm. and be mm-hmm. some sort of small uh, female kind of hero. Again, same thing, maybe kind of a druid or some sort of shaman uh, with a familiar, maybe like a big jungle cat. Oh. Kept everybody away. But as I started putting him together... He just became more and more a Michael Moorcock character. <laughs> Any of you, dear listener, who um, I, I used to really love reading all these different classic fantasy authors, Fritz Lieber and Michael Moorcock. And Michael Moorcock wrote this series, several series of stories that, that have kind of formed my own mythology, even though I, I can't really stand to read them anymore. Oh. They're dated, yeah. you know. But... Uh, when you're 14, it was some dope ass shit. It slapped, right? And, uh, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> but um, he had this character. Nice, nice callback. Thank you, Elric. Of uh, that, I always because I was 13 and I didn't know that that little accent over the e meant it was Melnibone. I thought it was Melnibone. Um, so, but you're uh, a Melnibone. Who's the last emperor over this declining people out in the jungle somewhere? And they've got all these big ziggurats and. And then also this this kind of uh, Prince Corum series, which is another kind of ancient kind of el- plains traveling elven people. So 
that's kind of all the 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 mishmash of and i'm kind of uh taken with uh as far as american continent goes for archaeology i I really think central and south america is is really where the the exciting stuff is because you've got all the the grandiose architecture right right that in north america is just is just kind of dissolved into mounds which are cool but a lot of them haven't been excavated so when i put all that stuff together i i came up with this same thing we were both thinking (laughs) central and south america nope not grand not imperial (laughs) thinks he is by god he's trying to convince the world but nope little flying squirrels and shit are (laughs) proven otherwise all the time so that's kind of how i came up with hatterai um i have one other question for you on hatterai before we move to the next character hatterai seeking a wife well of course he is how else can he perpetuate his people he must do it single-handedly. Have you seen the things his sister consorts with? They will not. They, I have. They, they, they're not elves. Let me just put it that way. Of course, he, he must. He will be emperor himself someday, and he must have progeny of his own to carry on the people. He'd prefer to not have to capture someone to be his wife. Sure, sure. He'd prefer a... Yeah. Slave wives aren't as good. He'd prefer a minimum of consent. <laughs> <laughs> well, so far, he's batting zero. So far, so far. Yeah. I'm still surprised that... I'm, I'm really surprised that half-elven stranger woman just, just didn't leap at the chance to marry the scion of an ancient house. <laughs> It is shocking, especially is. as you had her tied up at the time. I, I mean, did, and had just killed one of her companions. Yeah. Yeah. You'd think she'd be all over that. Look, can she not see the advantages of being an empress? Seriously. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we're both having such a great time with Hatterai and Boric. I'm loving the world and, and everything about the character. On a completely different track. <laughs> As far away from the jungle as one can imagine. So far. <laughs> and below. Let's talk about Itrian <laughs> You pronounced it right. <laughs> There's a first time for everything. There were about 15 times there where you kept saying Herkimen's daughter. Herkimen's daughter. I was like. That's, you that's, don't know your own character's that's not name, what's written Reagan. down on the sheet here. <laughs> nope. Nope. Herkimer's daughter. Was that because of the Herkimer diamond? Yes. Tell me about, uh, is it Yttrian or Yttrian? Yttrian. Yttrian. Yes. She is a an earth genasi. Mm. Which means what exactly? So it means that one of her parents was a genie okay. of a specific element, in uh, this case uh, of the earth, but sure. in my flavoring, uh, gemstone right. style genasi. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. And uh, neither of <laughs> tell me tell me how you pictured her 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 upbringing her family life Aww, her background bless um, Yatrian is a very upbeat sort of young lady but her parents neither one of them genies are notorious well, I mean look for for loving them and leaving them right like that's kind of their thing. And whatever the deal was with her mother, her mother wasn't super into being saddled with parenthood. So daddy was the gene. Yes. And both of them uh, took off. 
for their various different jet setting lifestyles right. uh, as soon as could be arranged. Right. My sense is that probably there was like some kind form of, of like, wet nurse kind even of like prior Winston to that. Winston Churchill's mother. Sure. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So Yatrian. Jet setter, no time for little Winnie. No. No. Yatrian was sent to boarding school Indeed. at age three, which is the absolute <laughs> earliest that any boarding school would take her. Right. And uh, why don't you tell us a little about the school that she has gone to? <laughs> yes. So you had chosen, you had chosen the name, uh, whatever, whatever it was, Manor. Right. Well, I chose to pronounce it a certain way. Right. So yes, it's Ieldathorn Manor. <laughs> that is not how I pronounced it in my no, head. That is correct. Right. It is now the yes. way it is. It is Ieldathorn Manor, the ending school for fine young women. And some male children. <laughs> uh, because, of course, what you... <laughs> of course, the only school that would take a three-year-old would be run by a drow matron mother. Of course. Of course it Of would. course it would, yes. Yeah. And Terrifying and complete kind of, is her um, control. Uh, kind of like... Kind of like Morticia Adams... Uh, if Morticia was actually evil actually and awful. an evil drow who ate men, yes. yeah, uh, yeah, li yeah, literally ate men. <laughs> um, so yeah, <laughs> I kind of had a little Hogwarts in my head. Uh, <laughs> I had a little bit of you know kind of English boarding school uh -huh. in my head as well. <laughs> and by English boarding school, I mean English boarding school of like the 18th and 19th right, century, right? Where sure they they take the they take the charity cases but they're the ones who clean the toilets right right and that's what the boys do here at Iolda Thorn Manor <laughs> the ending school for fine young women yes yeah really uh, the headmistress has a preference in who exists in the world and men don't figure into that they don't and and gen genuinely these children are usually like Yatrian, uh, somewhat well-to-do, and mm -hmm. they might command. Their parents might command armies or considerable wealth. And uh, as a woman without actually her house anymore, reduced to running a school for other people's <laughs> children. Not that she's bitter. Not that she's bitter at all. She is cognizant of the fact that she can't just kill them out of hand. Mm -hmm. But you know. If Accidents some, happen. Exactly. If some few happen to be dragged into the lake while they're feeding the lake monster, well, that happens. It does. It does indeed. <laughs> it does indeed. I will admit I quite loved what you did with the school. I gave yes. you a few pieces of what I thought her experience was, but... And uh, I wanted you... those up and threw them over my shoulder. <laughs> you took them to the next level. Right. They're, they're, right. Some of it was still in there. Right. And uh, What'd you think of the major domo? The major domo made me laugh. Uh, Do you know what she is? She's a, uh, I can't remember what they're called, but the fish people. She's a kuotoa. Yes. Yeah. 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 Who uh, were all <laughs> slaves of mind flayers right. for centuries who drove them crazy and convinced them that some crayfish was their god. Bloop, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever it is. Yes. Well, I, I love the world. Yeah, I'm having a I think it's ball cool. with the world. Now, I do remember you being super excited for the character, though. Mm -hmm. Dear listener, you all have no idea how long Goddess has been talking about creating an oh, yeah. Earth Genasi. Of the wizard. Graviturgy School. Of the Graviturgy School. Very specifically. School. A year and a half? 
Something like that. Yeah. yeah. I've been yeah. and I was finally like, oh, this is it. Yeah. This is it. I could well, do it. You were thinking about doing it for some home campaign or something. I was like, we're making a podcast. Yeah. Why don't you make it one of your for the anthology? Why don't you make it an anthology character? Yeah. And I'm so glad that that you you did push on that and say, hold off and use it for the podcast. Right. And I'm gonna just give you guys a little peek behind the screen for a quick second too. We actually, and normally I wouldn't admit this, but we actually had to re-record. We had to stop our first attempt yep. at the first episode because I had a picture in my mind and I was attempting to match the picture in my mind with the sounds that I was trying to make and her voice, I was not voicing her well instead of sounding the way that I wanted her to look, she sounded like an 800 year old and that is not who Yutrian is. She's just learning the world. She's young and enthusiastic. And so Lance actually stopped me and was like, is this what you want? And I was like, it's not working. Yeah. And we actually had to stop. And that was interesting too, because when you have a character that you've been building up in your mind, but they've only existed in your mind, right. sometimes the way that they come out into the world isn't what you pictured. Well, and like we just rethink. said too, with, with the three characters we've already talked about, they all took on an organic life and uh, Yutrian was struggling. Yeah. To take on an organic life. And it's interesting. It sounds like because you kind of didn't want her to, you wanted her to be what you had when you wrote down the backstory. Right. Which yeah. was far predated this. So, you know, just adjusting that and realizing this doesn't work right. in, in the world was, was kind of a fun yeah. and weird moment. Yeah. It was frustrating at the time and disappointing because... It, it wasn't working out and it's never fun to go, you know, we're going to have to put this away and try again another day. Yeah. But I'm so glad we did. Yeah, me too. And it worked out so much better and it was so fun. Well, it certainly did for the character in the story. I will say that the second time through, which is what's on the episode, uh, I was not nearly as happy with uh, my ichthys or, or my headmistress. Um, I thought Ichthus was better the second time around, but the headmistress was considerably more alarming the first time around. She was, and I yeah. liked the alarming. I liked the foil of this totally deadly serious, alarming, crazy-ass headmistress and Eutrian, <laughs> who's just like, sure, teacher. Yeah, whatever, teacher. <laughs> Do you know what the headmistress's name is? Benthelmina asked Borgler. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. Benthelmina Aspborgler. 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 Yep. Benthelmina. Not, not Aspborgler. Not, she's not a, <laughs> no, she's not of the Aspborgler clan. Nope. <laughs> Are you sure? I am deadly, Perhaps deadly serious. Perhaps at some point they changed the, the <laughs> nope. spelling on the name. No? Nope. Well, they might have <laughs> when they came from Germany. <laughs> Aspborgler. 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 <laughs> Benthol, say it with me. Dear listener, here we're all going to say it together. Are you ready? Benthomina. Asp. 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 Warglar. 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 I missed the silent Asp, W. War, it's not silent. <laughs> it's literally not a silent W. Asp. Warglar. Asborgler. Asp Warglar. Asborgler. Asborgler. Not Asborgler or Oozburglar or Asbarglar. Can we talk Asp about Can we talk about the cave full of <laughs> mushrooms? You just want to talk about it because you can't say Asborgler. 
I know you can, dear listeners. Yeah, let's talk about the cave. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Good. <laughs> talk nice nice talk. What do you want to know? <laughs> I don't really want to know anything because I feel like mm. anything you want to talk about is yeah. great. I'm not really asking for insider baseball. Ooh, and I had forgotten about the acid drips too. Yeah, I was I actually really going to say, did you that. like the ringing cave? The I ringing loved cavern. it. Re-listening to that episode, I loved that moment where I realized what Yatrian would do, yeah. and she just starts tap 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 right. tap tap. At that, when she realizes it's not a being, right. it's just an effect, and she gets so excited, and she gets to be a kid for right. a minute, right? And just think it's cool, right? That was that's a beautiful thing. I love that in movies and stories and whatever. When when the kid who's had to be a grown up, which is essentially what's happening here, right? Eutrian's been sent to this boarding school that's deadly freaking serious, and she's had to grow up really fast. But those kids who are who are already adults when they just get to be kids, yeah, I love that. It's a beautiful moment. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah. We also, if you remember, we had to re-record. Because uh, we were struggling to get through the world. Mm, mm -hmm. Um, There were some struggles there with like where to go and what to do. Yeah, that is the the plus and the minus to building a big world. Right. And sometimes as a DM. it's not a big world. It's a linear cave. But. (laughs) Well, I have found this before. I've done this to my PCs before as a DM. But also as a PC, I have known that there is a direction that exists, but I'm not seeing it. And as a DM where I've known that there's a direction that I'm hoping my PCs will choose to go and I'm not giving them the right, maybe not cues because that makes it sound too controlled, but the right opportunities to head that direction. I see. Yeah. Well, and that I think is a fundamental difference. What you just said and what I had in mind are fundamentally different. I had nowhere I wanted you to go. Mm, yeah. I wanted you to go. I'm in a dark cave and I don't know how to get out of here and to explore that cave. Right. Because there were things that were going to happen no matter where you went in, in that cave. Sure. So I guess it's kind of a sandbox thing where, you know, sandboxes can, can be difficult, but I wanted you to feel the sense that you were actually in an enormous dark cavern that you couldn't see from one end to the other. From right. How do you get across that? You just have to walk into the darkness. Yeah. And hope you're headed the right way. What a metaphor for life. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's a great place to wrap up uh, tree But uh, <laughs> is there anything else you'd like to say about the character? No, I think that she's developing as she goes because she's a, she's a youth. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. Think, I think that's good. Dear listener, you all have also not encountered all that Utrian has yet encountered. Mm-hmm. So uh, leave us some mentions in the comments of your favorite pod uh, listening thing and, and tell us what you think of the sandbox and what you think of what happens to Utrian. Absolutely. But I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're enjoying. It. Oh, it's it's fun. Plus, getting to do an adventure fully underground. Yeah. Um, I don't know if she'll ever do not we be have underground. Claustrophobia issues. We got one that's only underwater. <laughs> we got one that's only underground. We're working through some shit. We're working through stuff. <laughs> We've got like daddy issues coming and growing up issues and oh my lord. Absolutely, absolutely. Because you know how do I got daddy issues? Oh, how do I got daddy issues coming out of his ears? So speaking of uh, not daddy issues, let's talk about Tazia. 
Yeah. Yeah. Twinkle. Twinkle. Yeah. <laughs> um, and speaking of places where your DM uh, blindsides you, uh, I will admit on this one, I thought I was handing you a gift and you were like, I don't like that flavor. So that whole thing was really intriguing. Why don't you tell us a little about Twinkle first? Well, though? we've done it to each other now a yeah. couple of times. And I will admit after Hatterai, to have the thing thought we were on the same page and it turns out we weren't and it was great. <laughs> I was more, more flummoxed than, than anything else by Twinkle. Which I, we should probably explain how. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I will. Twinkle is a satyr <laughs> and I really love the satyr species in D and D it's, it's new, right? Newish. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, I think 2020 did there, there's been a pandemic. Everything in the last year and a half <laughs> seems like it happened in the past four weeks to me. So, uh, but anyway, it's it's newish. I love, love, love the species. They've got so many great things. Mrs. Fox agrees. Yeah. There are so many things that you can do with it. And I love the idea of rather than the standard trying to screw everything Seder bard. Right. <laughs> which is what Priapus was <laughs> something a little bit more serious. And so I, I kind of created this backstory of kind of this bucolic pastoral society living in trees and, and fields, very well established. They keep animals and so on. And, and it's a lovely existence. They're not ever really challenged very much. Mm. They don't fight for the, there's, they haven't been wiped out, you know, but for some reason, this character is just always looking to the horizon. Mm -hmm. Just always looking to the horizon. And just loves the possibility of what's over it far more than she loves everything that she's got right here, which for most people would be more than enough. Mm -hmm. More than enough. Mm -hmm. She's got family. She's got a lover. She's got a place to live. Um, it's, a, it's a wonderful, rich society. It just... That horizon just keeps calling. So it's literally horizons. It's it's twilight. She is a, a twilight cleric. Mm -hmm. So I, I just loved that idea of constantly chasing the horizon, the unknown, the gray area, the twilight where you see all sides and constantly chasing it because obviously living life means you're making choices. You're constantly moving from twilight to certainty, right? Mm -hmm. So in order to keep that feeling, you've got to constantly be moving towards the next horizon. So that's, that's what I had uh, in, in mind for her. And I, I pictured her as this kind of MacGyver, right? <laughs> right. Going from place to place, collect. She loves people. She loves rumors. She loves getting a sense of place, talking to everybody, helping out here and there, and then moving on. Sure. The A-team, yeah. right? Without all the guns. Or the helicopters or the crazy people or the military. Which um, is the plan. Right. So, but that's where I thought we were going to start. Right. And I, again, <laughs> <laughs> rule number one, when you write out a backstory, the DM may ignore it completely. <laughs> I felt like I did not ignore it at all. I just started in it, not beyond it. I powerfully blown away by the whole starting in a dream <laughs> blown away by that 
and was so excited to see what was coming next in the stream because obviously, of course, nighttime and sleep is the ultimate liminal mm-hmm. space. Yeah. It is literally the, the time when all possibilities can happen to you. I thought that was a brilliant sketch. Why did you come up with, with a dream sequence to begin with? Because she's a Twilight cleric and uh-huh. she's about to go out into the world. And You say that like it's a certainty, but, but that doesn't necessarily mean that she that she's in a dream to start. Well, from my perspective, that was the obvious starting point. Mm. And that how, when you think about, not, not that this world is specifically Greek-ish or Theros. Right. It's, it's not. No. But I wanted to pull on that concept of the gods being a little closer to sure. Earth than than they sometimes are. Right. And that she, like all heroes, has something that draws her to a, not necessarily a task, but a, kind of that calling concept. Right. right. And how does a god have a conversation right. with one of their followers? They come to them in a dream or a sure. vision, yeah. right? Right. And so she's, it was that or, you know, find her in a field of poppies. And right. I really felt like the right thing was to have this happen while she's sleeping in her comfort. Right. So that she actively has to wake up in the liminal hour and make the decision to go. And then the MacGyver adventures begin. Well, I loved it. Though, again, I was a little confused because once I figured out it was a dream, I didn't know whether I was supposed to have had all my equipment. Did I not? You know, I, I just, uh, it took me a minute to, to catch up to where we were. If I were to have a, a star or wish uh, <laughs> on this, my main wish was just, uh, it was so short. Yeah, it was, it ended up being very short. I, I felt like rather than telling chapter one, which we had done for all the other characters, right. we just wrote a preface. Yeah, it was and kind of an episode zero in a strange sort of way. It, it was. I think it's a really great episode zero. I think it's a yeah. really great preface, and I'm 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 really excited for where she goes because I I'm pretty excited about her as a character. Well, and frankly, uh, setting some things up for intention of returning to this particular chapter right. of the anthology, right. there are some things that I wanted to put in there that'll come up later. Sure. So you know. I, when you have a complicated backstory, you need to roll it out in such a way that it can be consumed. Right. And I, I really wanted to kind of have that experience of giving you the opportunity for some some callbacks at some point in time. So, well, you know, we'll see. and again, as we're talking about it, I, I really do think it was a brilliant way to do it because otherwise it's just like, it's what we did. You know, here's a person, you find yourself in a situation. Um, this was... Yeah, it, it felt very cinematic to me. Yeah. And I liked that. I liked that a great deal. And you got to fight a clay urn. Right. <laughs> I have to tell you, I have no I have no feeling for the world at all. Sure. Can you can you say anything about the world that she's in? I will tell you that the the way that I'm kind of picturing it, and this is not an apples to apples comparison. What I had in my head was like that. What uh, David Carradine? It's uh, show? where where uh, he's called Grasshopper, right? Yeah. What it's is just called show? Kung Fu, right? Is it? Okay, so that kind of like 
walking into like walking slightly up a hill speaking of cinematic right, right. with the rolling hillsides on either side and heading off it's into kind the of a seven samurai kind of yeah which is funny because that's also now that you say that that's also kind of the precursor to the whole macgyver or at yeah there are all those shows in the 70s and 80s where there's this these helpful strangers who just wander just into going town. down the right. road the yeah helpful misfit who wanders into town isn't that funny? And that was kind of like the pin that I wanted to put in right. place for that. Even though the world's not going to be exactly like that, right. my goal is to have that starting point yeah. for this world. And the world will unfurl as it is, and it'll look different than that. But that vibe was was my Ooh, goal. I just got some shivers up my back, too, because that, that kind of reminded me of, of the whole uh, the gunslinger, the, the dark tower kind of thing. Yeah. Con- traveling somewhere. But nobody really knows where, and the world's just unfolding as you... Oh, I love that idea. Yeah. Great. Cool. Well, I'm excited for that. Woohoo! I really am. Yeah. Exciting. You know what that means. We just put out an episode last week. We did. All about <laughs> Princess Seventh Mandala. Of the Mountain Cave. What do you want to say about Princess? <laughs> Before we talk about... The, the app itself. Yeah. What do you want to say about Princess? One of the things that I realized is that at no point during the episode did I describe Princess Seventh Mandala true, of the Mountain Cave. And I'm really, really proud mm. of how beautiful she is. I wanted to make her genuine royalty. And, um, dear listener, she's opening up her color coded binder of character sheets. <laughs> It's a thing. So I'm really proud of how I built her because she's built on a jungle jaguar. Speaking right. of jungles, we're back to the jungle. So is she black or is she spotted? She Yes. She is black cool. with black swirls. So she's a black on black. I don't think I knew that. Yes. And I'm like, how did I get through the rollout of this character right. and not describe her? You, you never did. And she has deep, deep blue eyes. Whoa. Yes. I'm like... This is important. Like, she's got this really unusual look. Dear listener, you can tweet that character art to us at my fave cantrip, or just, you know, drop it in the comments, or uh, you can tag us in it. Hashtag my fave cantrip, or hashtag my favorite cantrip. Because we got to see the art on that. Yeah, we do. And I, it's one of those times that I wish I was an artist. Right. Because she's tall and slim. Right. She's six foot like one. Like a cat. And she, yeah, she's she's lanky, lanky right. cat. But because I didn't go for sexy, sexy, right. I went for lethal, lethal. I'm kind of picturing a cheetah. Because cheetah, yes. you know how, how that kind long of lanky, and slim loose. cheetahs are, but, mm-hmm. but black on black. Yes, That's exactly. Amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. And and with blue blue eyes. That's amazing. <laughs> and so that if there's one thing that is a wish of mine, it's that I had actually described my character physically <laughs> in the episode. But I really like her. You and I talked about this character for a bit. Yeah, I have we did. wanted to play a Tabaxi for a while and I have actually hesitated. Kind of like my hesitation with Tasha. I really wanted to play a satyr, but I didn't want it to be Didn't want her to be stereotypical. stereotypical. Right. Yeah. I didn't want to play sexy right. um, with Again, her. It's a backseat bard. Or yeah. yeah. And so figuring out what she's going to be, but I did want her to be true to a cat. In the first episode, I'm going to shift to the episode a little bit. 
Can I just say, oof. Oof, seriously. Oof. But I did want to give her some of the hallmarks of Katniss. Right. I hope we didn't go too far. I think we both did. Because you and I, very organically, dear listener, we did not set out to make a house cat battle. But kind of organically, we both set out to um, have a lot of those domestic cat traits present. And one of the things, again, because I didn't want to do sexy, sexy, that means if she's going to be a cat... She's going to be a little bit of a dick right? and quite regal. Like all cats. So the combination of beautiful, overly regal for something that probably isn't quite that royal. Right. And also, I mean, for all I know, we've talked about this a little bit. For all I know, they're just squatters in that, like they just showed up and the place was empty. <laughs> so they took cave. it over. Right. Yeah. Right. But she also had to have this like little bit of a dick to a little bit of being a dick because that's what cats do. Right, right. Dear reader, we cracked ourselves up playing, just riffing on this on our own, not in the episode. (laughs) Right. Made ourselves laugh. Just kind of walking around the house for a couple of days after we recorded the session (laughs) uh, being being cats. Yeah. It was funny. It was really fun. We have cats as well. And we have always had cats. We have been students of cat behavior for some time (laughs) and... When Reagan mentioned at the end of the episode that we had a cat named Scamper, it's true. Uh, and Scamper was the kind of cat. We had a dog yeah. at the time named Sadie, who was a collie. And Scamper would get up in the non-denominational holiday tree <laughs> and knock the ornaments out that we yep. had made. We had a homemade ornament party one year. We made all this salt dough yep. ornaments where we just stuck the little metal hooks in. So and were, cooked them. And, and cooked them. So so it was like, you know, like concrete or baked dough. <laughs> they were like and this concrete cat, cookies. Scamper would get up in this tree and knock them out of the tree where Sadie would promptly eat them. They worked in tandem. They worked in tandem. And Sadie, God love her, had the guts of uh, an iron golem because she would pass those steel Christmas the, ornament hooks. The hooks, right the out. decoration, the paint specs. Yep. The, uh, d- just, just pass it pass right, it right out with no problem. And that damn cat. This is the same dog that once passed a, a sock in its a entirety. Sock, a tube sock. A, an entire tube sock. Which Through her elementary neither tube. one of us have ever owned a tube sock. I don't know sock, where that tube sock Ever in our from. lives. I don't know where yeah. that tube sock came Anyway. From. Well, thanks to our tube socks. Not in the in time sports. we've been together. That's true. That's true. So the cat that comes in and starts knocking snow globes off of the mantelpiece was directly modeled oh, on our dear 100%. departed scamper. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. God rest his soul. What did you like about I the liked... world and the adventure and how your character interacted with what, what was happening? So I told you this right after the episode, and I'm going to say it again now. You captured perfectly what I had in my mind mm. of what her world looked like. Like when I pictured where she came from, right. that was it. And interestingly, you also started in her backstory. You started in I her did. home base. I did. And at some point, you know, for some reason, she'll be going out in the world. But uh, And I'm glad we did because if she just had a book mm-hmm. and was out on the road, yeah, it, 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 wouldn't, it wouldn't have, have worked. Been, yeah, yeah. As well. So I'm glad you did that. I liked getting to dig down into the kitty litter a little bit. Right. Ah. Ah. But also 
you did a really good job of catching what I was trying to get mm. from her past nice. and the structure and how the, you know, having a litter of royal kits right. and things like that would look. So I thought that was really good. I, I will also, I'd like to really give stars again for the Bastet cat. Or thummies. Uh, thummies. Two thummies for the Bastet cat because, first of all, you mentioned that they were going to be there, but you didn't tell me they were going to talk. So when it walked in the room and started talking, I was like, ah! Um, but also the... And, and Bastet Cat is another creature from uh, Cobalt Press's Tome of Beasts. Right, which we love. Right. But it's a temple cat. I'm just going to say right here and now, there is nothing funnier to me than cats that keep cats. Right. That, And we don't really know which cats are keeping which cats. Isn't that true with just cats in general? <laughs> I think cats believe they're keeping us. Right. And from a cat's perspective, isn't that exactly what's happening? Yeah. I, I desire fish and milk. Thank you for putting a roof over me over my head. Now give me fish and milk. Yeah. Yes. So This is why I keep you. <laughs> I loved all of that. Right. And I really loved the, um, the whole trial. Mm. But I have to say, and spoiler alert, Go listen to Go that listen episode to before you listen to the rest of this. I could not have loved the ending more. It was not what I think either of us thought was going to happen or wanted to have happen. But I loved that that was on the table because that makes her suddenly more complex and more interesting. And I don't want to rehash our commentary from the episode, but um, the dice told a story that night. Yeah. And now I'm picking up on what they're laying down. And I got to tell you, I have some good stuff planned yeah. for what happens next. And I'm going to tell you one thing right now. If you remember, dear listener, in the episode, as the day before the trials, Princess tries to go out and walk around on the mountainside and can't or, or doesn't because it's, it's, it's a hard jungle rainstorm. And the next day, she goes out and has her trial, and it's and it's a sunny, sunny day. The rain has passed on, but it's steaming and humid. As she's standing on the hillside at the failed trial, it begins to rain again. Yeah. Well. So, and that's where this chapter ends. How do I, I give just thummies give, when I liked everything? I want to give thummies to all of our characters and yes. uh, all of the worlds. They're developing in such... I never knew that when we sat down to just say, okay, let's make an anthology D&D podcast. <laughs> and, um, and we'll decide what that is. And six stories right off the bat that the dear listener, frankly, most of them had their germination back in... September and October when we first started planning on putting this thing together even though none of them debuted until March uh, this is this is definitely a pandemic project <laughs> I had no idea that of six stories that they were going to be so different yeah because it's the same two people yeah making six stories we've got six incredibly different characters and six incredibly different thank worlds. they who loom that we are well-read people <laughs> Absolutely. And thank they who loom for time team for giving us lots of ruins to play with. <laughs> so I want to give uh, uh, two thummies up to they who loom. What do you think? What do you have thummies for they who loom? I always have two thummies up for they who loom. That's four thummies for they who four loom. Four thummies for they who loom. Uh, well, let's, uh, um, 
I would say let's take a break and then we can talk about the session. But, but that's what we've done. Uh, the whole session has been um, commentary. Reagan, do you want to plug anything today? Make a shout out to anything? I do. I do have a shout out today. I would like to give a shout out to the Kestrels fledging right outside yes. this window. I've been completely obsessed. We've been consumed. With the kestrels. We have nesting kestrels. You we, held one. I held one. It got stuck. Dear listener, kestrels are small hawks. Yes, they are tiny little vicious raptors. And uh, they they are murder balls of fury and feathers Imagine and adorableness. Conqueree, but mean. <laughs> and one had gotten wedged down between a windowsill and some plants in the side yard and I had to help it get out at which point I was holding a kestrel and it was screaming at me <laughs> screaming at me but as soon as I got it up out of the plants it flew right, away right. it was fine it went back to its parents I saw the whole thing happen but these things have been consuming my brain for the entire spring yeah. and the fact that they have fledged now and are successfully flying around and killing small creatures in my neighborhood could not make me happier but the fact that I got to touch one is my big shout out well that's a fine shout out and I sense uh, some sort of Erica Okra uh, character <laughs> in your future. Anything else you want to shout out? That's that's my shout out for today. What about you? I would like to shout out our merch page. Oh yeah. Over on our website, myfavoritecantrip.com. Uh, we've got a couple of t-shirts up there. You may hear us say at the beginning and end of the of each episode, we mentioned Weird Mimosa. Uh, Weird Mimosa is the production company that we've put together to produce produce this. Uh, we have some t-shirts for Weird Mimosa up there. We like to have a Weird Mimosa every morning. <laughs> I just, I'm shouting it out, the merch page, because we have a t-shirt coming. It's coming. That I love. Oh and my I, God. I ain't going to tell you anything about it. Yeah. I was going to shout out some mm, stuff about yeah. it, and then I was like, nope, just, it's too soon. Just too go soon. Just go check it out. Just go check it out. And I would page. like to shout out as well, kind of our general contact information in the sense of, We'd love to hear a review from you. Oh, please. We'd yeah. love for you to uh, tag us either at hashtag my fave cantrip or hashtag my favorite cantrip. Um, you know, tell us tell us what you think about the characters and storylines uh, we've got going on. Yes, we, please. We'd love to hear about that. Reagan, there's one shout out we need to get in. What's that? It has to do with June 25th. <gasps> yes, Would you like does. to do the honors? Yes, I would love to. So June 25th is a super, super exciting day. Please mark your calendars now. Save the date. Oh, God. What? I hear Cockabee coming. Oh, no. I ha I have to say. Hello. Oh, no. Are you in the room now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Hello, hello, dear listeners. Well, Cockabee, I was just getting ready to talk about Midsummer's Eve. Well, that's live why stream. I'm here. I'm here to talk about the Midsummer's Eve live stream. Well. Oh, heavens no! I wouldn't want to steal your thunder. <laughs> no, no, Cockabee. Please now that continue. You're here, please, please, please continue. The, no. You know the listeners want to hear from me, Cockabee. My dear friends in the league, I hope you are all in the league. Are you not, uh, it, Goddess? Are they all league members? I'm I'm sure they are, Cockabee. Yes. And why wouldn't they be? And why wouldn't they be? Well, I am hosting a live stream event on Discord, of all places, on the evening of June 25th. Are you? What I time? Am. 
That would be 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Well, goodness gracious. And you said it's on Discord, did you? I have now said it three times, indeed. <laughs> but did you say it's on Discord? It's on Discord. Ah, indeed. So if you don't have a Discord handle, dear listener, you'd better get one immediately. They are free. They are free. Free, did you say? Yes, just like the, the show's going to be. Heavens, that's impossible. But... Certainly it must cost... An entire purse of gold. You would think so, but we are doing this at the low, low cost of available to you today. Available to me today? For no cost. I like things that are of no cost. For all that I am, well, cockamy orcas, porcas, I nonetheless am a cheap bastard, as all my (laughs) friends will tell you. That tracks. It does. Cockaby. Yes. Why would people need to get a ticket for this? Because there are only 50 places available. What? Imagine that. Barely more than will fit within a bag of holding. You can fit 50 people into a bag of holding? Not for very long. <laughs> but yes. So they need to get a ticket. Where do they go to get that? They would go to Eventbrite, of course. Ah. Excellent. I believe that there is a link to that on the website that you keep spouting about, whatever that might be. Indeed there is, but the tickets are 100% no cost, and we hope that oh, we'll see oh, you all there. Uh, pardon me. I, yes? Do you hear love calling? Yes. No, no. You say little Jimmy is nearly cooked. <laughs> Very well. I, I must be going. It's been a pleasure, goddess. I'll see you later, dear listener, on Discord. Well... That was completely unexpected. I just can't be in the same room when that guy's here. I just can't stand <laughs> to be in the same room with him. Hmm. I'm sorry I ducked out for a while. You know, I've noticed I've never seen you in the same room as Cockabee Orcus I Orcus am Orcus. not taking off my glasses, I'll tell you that. Hey, folks. You can find more content doing deep exploration of our characters, our hey, world. I think we call those deep cuts, don't we? We do call them awesome. deep cuts. And you know where you can find them? Yeah. Where? Oh, you want me to say it out loud? I do. Yeah, if you've liked the content you've heard today and you want to hear more, go to our Patreon page. Awesome. You know where else you can find us? All over the place. Instagram, website, yeah. all those places. All those social media places. Yeah, just find Look us. Look for The Goddess Divine. Look for Destiny Manifest. Uh, but more importantly, come to my favorite cantrip. Get on that event, Bright. Get yourself a ticket to Cockabee's event on June 25th. Pick up a t-shirt while you're there. Pick up a t-shirt. I hear the sound of clicking and clacking in the background, which means it's time to say... Thanks, dear listeners. Until next time. This has been a Weird Mimosa.